0: You're listening to County Live. This is your new content-rich County Live uh, in isolation with all our mountain of bonus episodes. Chris Ridgway, are you there? I'm here through
1: cyberspace. I'm here in my front room in Hazelgrove. Uh, are you there in your studio in Davenport? Is it Davenport?
0: Uh, it's kind of, what would you call it, North Davenport? Officially it's Bramall, but you know. it's uh, Yeah, you could call it... Call it Davenport. You can call it what you like.
1: So you're there and I'm here. That's good.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that's that's that podcast over. <laughs> Do you know um, from from my um,
1: cyberspace in my front room? I've just got off the phone with um, County legend Mike Flynn to add to our uh, exceedingly overspilling rich bank of content at the moment. Um, to do our latest Legends interview now obviously we already have a few in the can uh, that we're going to be releasing through this new series so the fact that we've got Flynnie done already is fantastic but I've got to say Martin what a treat County fans are in for because um, I spoke obviously we, we've had Sean Connolly that we're going to play out tonight we've got Andy Priest Tony Dinning to come to have Flynnie as well to hear all these stories um, about Danny Begara Dave Jones etc uh, etc et from behind the scenes um, Flynnie has had me in stitches tonight, telling some of those. So um, I can't wait to release these, but I can't wait to get through Sean Connolly's tonight either. We're we're in for some treats here, you know.
0: And what is it about Sean? Sure, sorry, I've got an I've got a bit of a, a cough. Nothing to alarm anybody, but so if I do cough, then I apologise. I'm a bit uh, bit of a Russian weightlifter. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know? I don't get it. Go on. No, <laughs> I've got a nasty chesty cough. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, oh anywho, oh improve your
1: <laughs> broken funny bone.
0: Improve things for the listeners by telling us what we can expect to hear in the interview with Sean Connolly.
1: So Sean Sean Connolly's story in football is is rather incredible. I mean, pe- people, myself included, think back to the the legendary Stockport County team through the nineties and early two thousands. That staple back four of Lee Todd uh, with um, with Jim Gannon, Mike Flynn, and of course Sean Connolly at right back. He he was. It was just a staple part of a team that that led people's lives for so long. You know, I mean, you, you think of the iconic football teams, and every every football supporting fan has their own iconic teams. You know, you look back at the, the United teams when when they were doing what they were doing, the Liverpool teams that you will know um, as well as anyone that were, that were winning all the trophies that they were winning. Well, Stockport County fans have their own version of that, the 96-97 the, the team, the team that almost got into those playoff places uh, for the Premier League the team that pushed that the that, that, that pushed and actually knocked out so many teams from higher divisions through that 96-97 season um Sean Connolly is a staple part of that you know he is he is um completely in there, and then from there, he's gone on to to play for Wolverhampton Wanderers, another big club, then Tramia Rovers, Rushton Diamonds, but then he goes on to be a physio, and he's a physio at the National Wales team. Now, you think about what Wales did in the Euros a few years ago when they were almost a surprise package, if you like. You've got the most expensive player in the world, Gareth Bale, answering to Sean Connolly to speak about his fitness levels and how to keep it up, and Gareth Bale incredible footballer um, his main attribute is his fitness and Sean Connolly is essentially um, the guy looking after that at international level he works with Aaron Ramsey a Premier League player now at Juventus but then also within his squad he's got Wayne Hennessy and Ashley Williams two Stockport County icons from a pinnacle back line from a different time a time when all other records uh, were being broken. Uh, Another strong force, defensive partnerships and whatnot were being spoken about. So um, he's got some stories to tell. Uh, it's it's an interview yeah. that I didn't expect. I didn't expect it to go the way it did. If I'm honest, and um, I'm really really glad that we get to play this one first because, as a county fan, any county fan knows who Sean Connolly is. Uh, to hear the stories that he has to tell, uh, it, it's well worth. Uh, the half an hour, 40 minutes that it is. Get yourself a brew, get yourself a beer, get whatever you do to kick back and listen to this. Cause it's fantastic.
0: The amount of managers that he played, played under, you know, the amount of games he'd got under his belt and to have that. And as you say, it's not just the number of managers, but those names, those names are all iconic names in, in football outside Stockport County. They're well-known managers who did things in the game. So, the amount of learning that he's done under those managers, and the amount of stories that he must have—you must have uh, found it difficult to to keep it down to the uh, what was it, half an hour, forty-five minutes—that he did do.
1: So, the managers he played under at Stockport County are the are the famous managers, if you like, through that time. It starts with Danny Bagara, pretty much the Godfather. Uh, of Stockport County I think a lot of people would see him and Brendan Elwood if you like as as the people that really kick-started where we are now the fact that they brought Jim Gannon into the club is is kind of synonymous there but then he went on on to play under Dave Jones who he refers to as the best manager he played under Uh, he then went under Gary Megson who Gary Megson of course (laughs) took County so close he took them so close um, to the to the Premier League, which is, I mean, it's bizarre thinking of it now when you look at where they are in the league. But Sean opens up that, that he didn't really get on with Gary Megson. And, you know, Gary then went on to have this f- fabulous career where he's managed in the Premier League, a staple name in English football. He didn't really get on with him. But then uh, under Andy Kilner, and it goes into how he played with Jim and whether he saw Jim go on to become a manager, what he learned, what he then, then took to the Wales squad, of course, played. Uh, So, well, worked, should I say, under Chris Coleman, whose stock was so high after the Euros, you know, it it was um, a a tremendous job that he did with Wales. And it was just, um, all in all, it is a a good football chat, especially if you're a county fan.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, as I say, you know, it's something that I would want to list, you know, if I saw that on the page... And I didn't have an interest in in Stockport County. I think that sounds like a kind of interview you'd want to listen to anyway. As you say, you know, especially with, you know, Wales, what they've done in the last 10 years and some of the players that are playing for Wales now, you know, even that part, part of it, you know, I'm totally fascinated by.
1: I quite like the fact, I quite like the fact that out of this training ground, you've got Gareth Bale, speaking about his big move to Real Madrid he's the most expensive player in the world he's going bicycle kicks for fun in Champions League finals you've got Aaron Ramsey who's you know winning the FA Cup at Arsenal he's he's doing you know playing under these incredible world class managers uh, moving on to Juventus to you know go and conquer Europe and everything else but then the real winners in the team you've got Wayne Hennessy uh, and Ashley Williams who were talking to him about when they kept nine clean sheets in a row at Stockport County and I think The fact that those conversations are mixing and the fact that those players are on the same page, I just, you know, I enjoy hearing that. You know, there's something quite nice to hear that Stockport County are in that Real Madrid-Juventus-Arsenal conversation that, (laughs) let's be honest, let's have it right, nine times out of ten, probably more than that, um, Stockport County don't come anywhere near that conversation. So the fact that they're there, uh, it's just, it's nice. I, I like hearing, and I like hearing how those conversations unfold.
0: Well, I've got a real soft spot for Wayne Hennessy's Nine Clean Sheets. Um, and do you know why that is? Because that was when I started at Pure. He was in the middle of that. And I was—I uh, had my music show and I used to help out a little bit, doing a little bit of sport here and there. So I was really, you know, after about five or six, I was really willing, you know, Wayne, to just keep those clean sheets going. So I have a real, real soft spot for that. And Pure, of course, Pure Radio was where we met and started working together and uh, was caused the birth of this fantastic podcast that you're listening to now what what a time to be alive what a time to be alive shall we listen to your your interview with Sean Connolly I mean I've already heard it but
1: yeah go on let's play it again
0: but it's so good yeah I, I recommend you listen to it again Chris
1: I'm delighted to say joining me on Stockport County Live today is none other than Hall of Fame defender Sean Connolly Sean how you doing
2: I'm all right mate I'm not too bad considering all things
1: at this present time considering all things indeed it's it's quite a strange one isn't it all this lockdown and quarantine before we before we go into football before we go uh down the years and down memory lane how how are you finding lockdown how are you keeping yourself busy
2: um well I'm, I'm currently employed by the faw so my role at the moment is uh, head of medical services and lead physio so uh, you know a big part of what i'm doing at the moment is around uh, the covid 19 and you know, just making sure that things uh, are passed on to the relevant people um, and even a little bit of uh, general advice for staff members, whether that's mental health, well-being, uh, or whether that's just general exercise stuff, really. Um, like you said, we're in strange times. Um, but, um, w- you know, we've got a, a duty of care to our employees and they need looking after. Um, and that's what I'm currently doing at the moment.
1: I mean, it, we were going to go on anyway to speaking about your time as a, as, a, as a physio and things that you do outside of, of being a player. It's it's probably quite a good place to start, given um, that's how you're keeping your, your time busy. But how are players? How, how do you find players are coping when when you speak to the, the different players that you work with? You know, these are guys that are used to being out training three or four times a week, going running, going to the gym. Um, certainly not just sitting at home. Um, they, they've got to try and keep active and keep the, the mind active as well. How, how are you finding players are, are coping?
2: Well, it's a little bit different. My role at the moment is international football, so I, I only get to see a snippet of the players. It's not like when I was in club football when I retired, um, working at Cardiff City and Crystal Palace. Um, it, you know, I had a day-to-day involvement with the players. I don't necessarily have a day-to-day involvement with the players these days, um, right. although I do keep his touch, um, particularly leading up to Uh, international week I'll speak to the players and get to the clubs etc etc but at the moment um, you know it's um, it's interesting I have spoken to a few of them uh, and like anybody else I'm sure they're all finding it extremely tough because they're not able to do what these guys usually do which is get out on a football field play exercise join in have a bit of banter you know everything that's around team sports, camaraderie, and all that—that's that's good for your mental health and well-being side of it. Is that these players are now satisfied, and I'm sure they'll tell you the same. Satisfied with a missus or whatever, yeah. you know, and, and having to do things that they've never really had to do. So I think that's—and um, that's not just footballers. I think that's everybody. So it is—it is difficult. I'm—I'm I'm sure that everybody's. Um, you know, end of the tether, come the end of the day and start twiddling the thumbs and actually don't know what the next few weeks is going to bring. But it, but it is difficult and it's not, it's everybody really. Because I think we're all in this, you know, a difficult period and, and nobody realises or nobody knows what's happening next. I'm
1: sure you're the same. I, I keep having people ask me, oh, is there any word on what's going to happen with the leagues? Any word what's going to happen with the season? And not only do I not have an answer to give, I don't even think there is an answer at the moment. I don't. You, you could go to the decision makers, and I don't think even they would be able to give you a hint because who knows? It's all it's all up in the air, isn't it?
2: Everybody's looking for answers, and that's the difficult thing. Uh, actually, nobody's got them answers. People are coming up with uh, proposed ideas, and you know this could happen or that could happen. But actually, nobody does, uh, nobody does know, and particularly from an international level. You know, we've seen the um, Euros cancel this year and postponed to next year. You know, the, the, uh, I'm hearing lots of things from UEFA about um, what's going to happen if they can't finish the league, or they need to finish the league. The financial impact of, of what no football is doing. You know, there's lots of things to consider. Uh, and, like you said, everybody's after an answer, but actually, nobody can give an answer because, you know, we've not been here. Uh, we've not been here since what, this kind of scenario, since probably the Second World War. And, um, you know, we're faced with difficult uh, questions, and actually, nobody really does know. So, there's a lot of information out there, but nobody's actually putting their. Uh, Name on it because they don't know, yeah. and we're in the same position. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm party to certain information, and I hear what's been uh, delivered from UA from from an international football perspective, and, and even a, a national level, uh, whether that's the Welsh Premier League or whether that's the US Premier League. But again, nobody knows. Uh, you know, there's, there's they've got everybody's got different scenarios, um, and that's what everybody's working to is the you know, scenario one, two, three, and four because people mm. don't know.
1: Yeah, well, it, it brings us nicely, like I say, to, uh, on this conversation of you being a, a physio. Now, during my research, but also just through, through following the club for so long, I came about this piece of information that you were training to become a physio before you even signed for Stockport County. So this isn't something you picked up to keep ticking over. Uh, I mean, it's, for, for a start, it's too, I'm sure it's too much of a complex career to do that anyway, but um, you, you were part of this scene before you you were playing is that correct
2: correct yeah i mean i i got released i was at rotherham as a kid and got released when i was 16 and fortunately for myself um you know my parents had uh, you know ran the old uh, education side of things down to me and, and, and so I was alright I was pretty switched on at school um, did my A-levels and then got a place at physio so what I'd always wanted to do as well uh, if I wasn't going to be a footballer I, I'd want a second career and that was physio so I was lucky enough um, to be able to do that and then you know trained at Pinderfields. and it was whilst I was in my second year at um, at Pinderfields, um playing semi-pro football that um, I got Stockport Kevin and watched me, Danny Bergara um, mm-hmm. You know invited me down played a couple of reserve games and was keen to sign me but I was always the case no I want to, listen I want to finish my degree um, and as soon as I finish my degree then I'll then I'll sign for you um and it, and, it, and in the end I was actually in my final year I was playing in the first team I made my debut at Preston and then a few weeks later I remember turning the we were at Wembley that year and I mm-hmm. remember I was involved in the squad and, and turned it down because I'd, I'd got my finals on the Monday um, and couldn't make it. Um, so yeah, um, interesting, and then so qualified. And then fortunately for me, I had twelve good years, uh, and then, on retiring again, um, picked up the physio bag uh, literally, but I mean, I'd be managing to. Keep my hand in over the years, um, and that was it. So I, I've been really fortunate. To listen, the games I, I've been able to do uh, two things that I've loved doing: physio and uh, playing for professional football. So um, you know, I've been really lucky.
1: I've worked in football um, for quite a while, so maybe not quite as long as yourself, but uh, I don't think I've ever come across a legendary. Physio, uh, quite in the mould that I did at Roger with Roger Wild at County. Did you did you learn a lot from him? Was it was it good having someone so stable at the club who was, you know, he he was part of the furniture almost. That must have been great for you. I mean, we'll talk about Danny Begar on the playing side, of course we will, but just as a physio, I mean, it must have been great having having Roger there with you.
2: Yeah, you know it's interesting because Roger. When I ter- when I turned up at the club, Roger wasn't actually qualified as a physio. So Roger went on, whilst I was there at the club, Roger was finishing his training off doing the part-time course at Salford. um And and so it was it was interesting. So I'd just come out of university. He was back at university doing his studies, and I remember we used to have some conversations. And I think the first, you know, six months, twelve months, uh, I, I hit it off really quite well with Roger because we've got a lot in common. He was back doing his learning and doing the football side of it, and I was obviously learning the football side of it, which Roger had done. Uh, how
1: long? How long did it take you to master the art of the the magic sponge? I mean, that's that's as far as my physiotherapy knowledge goes.
2: I think it's like it's like anything else. I think you're always learning, um, and I'll say that to any physio that I see. You, you never stop learning The day that you think you stop learning everything yeah, You know um, I mean it's like anything You just get wiser You just see things um, And you you can relate to it And I think the, the more I'm in the game You know and I've made mistakes I think you make mistakes as a player You make mistakes as a physio And I've, and I've certainly done that i will be the first to hold my hand up to that But it's about learning and, and reflecting um and uh, as i progressed as a footballer you you listen to different people and you pick up great ideas and you think yeah i can learn from him and i'm the same from a a physio point of view is that you know i've 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 been lucky that um i've 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 learned i've had to learn on my feet as i've gone on but you know i've 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 done the right thing picked up some some useful information and and met the right people um and been supported by you know uh, club doctors uh, mm. other club physios um, and you know the stupid thing is now is that I'm, I'm working at international labs. I'm surrounded by experts um, and people that uh, are at the top of the field um, and, and so it's uh, it's pretty easy really if I'm honest um, it, it's not it, you know I'm, I've got I've got all the support I want I've got games I've got away games I've got two doctors I've got three physios I've got three masters working for me, you know and I've got paramedics and I've got everything there um, and you know whereas when I first started even back in 2005 when I, when I came to Cardiff I was just on my own well yeah. the doctor didn't travel to away games and it was like that um, when I was a player at Stockport Roger was on his own and doctors didn't travel there was you know the medical kit and sports science stuff was non-existent um, and you got by and they were old fashioned players that just got on with it rolled sleeves up you know um, and there was that about it you know you didn't have the access to facilities training training ground you know medical facilities you know it just wasn't there um so the game's come a long way uh and for the better um and you know it's it is where it is and and i must admit i enjoy doing what i'm doing but again it's a completely different role to what it was 10 years ago and certainly 20 25 years ago when i was uh, just starting out at stop i've I've got
1: to ask uh, about your time with wales as, as a physio i was going to come to this later on but while we're here um, you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people who want to hear about what it's like working with the likes of, of Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey. But from a county perspective, obviously you'll you'll know Ashley Williams uh, extremely well. You'll 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 know all about what he achieved with county. When Ash when you and Ash met uh, on the Wales scene, was there ever any conversation about either of your experiences with county?
2: Yeah, you know, because we've got a similar background. I mean, Ash started off at non-league. He was at Ennsford, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we've had a similar bring in, uh, you know, upbringing in the game, really. And so I get on really well with Ash and still do. He's still involved. Um, you know, and like still, you know, Wayne Ennis is there. I mean, Wayne's the goalkeeper. Yeah. and he, I think um, I always wind Wayne up because I think I turned up to watch Wayne. Uh, at the end, when he had, his, was it eight or nine clean sheets? The and nine, then, like, yeah. And then he let, was it six or seven? I don't know. I, I think it was. And I always wind him up, you know, and it's funny. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it's amazing. So even at the top international level, we've got two players that have played at counter, like myself. And, and you know, they're the people. But, they, you know, they, they're just down-to-earth people. There's nothing... Um, Aloof about them. They are good professionals, good people, um, and they've got a lot of time, you know. And I get on really well with them, and and, and it's slightly easy for myself because I've played the game. I think. Yeah. Um, I've got that relationship with players is that sometimes um, it's it's easier because I've been there. Um, you know, without blowing my own trumpet, is that once you when you when you cross that white line on a Saturday afternoon, as uh, a oh, yeah. three o'clock, um, you know, I've, I've been there, done it, and I know what it's like being injured, and I know what it's like the, the, the pressures and the frustrations of playing professional football. So, um, you know, I'm, it's it's a useful background that I've got. But but I love doing what I'm doing, and people like Ashley Williams and Wayne, and they're uh, tremendous and good professionals.
1: Just slightly off topic, I have to ask why you're here. Uh, I did a little bit, uh, I did a little bit of work with Real Madrid a while ago. Gareth Bale, is he that good when you see him on the training pitch? He's frightening when he's at his best, isn't he?
2: Oh, yeah, unbelievably. I mean, just the man's a specimen. He's an athlete. Um, he qu- he's just, just, just everything about him when you see him. Um, and, and he's a nice fella, and I get on really well with him. Um, and, and people find it strange, but I want to talk about Gareth. I actually never talk football to him, because um, you can't begin to imagine the pressures that that man yeah. gets on a day-to-day basis. Um, what, what it's like to play for Real Madrid, and, and all we ever talk about is golf. He's got a passion for golf for in. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then,
1: I've, yeah. That,
2: that, that tends to be our little. Uh, that's his release.
1: Are you much of a golfer, Sean? Are you, are you any good?
2: I still, I still like a, a, a game of golf. Good. Although my daughter's a lot better than I am now. Um, really? So, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, that's a different story. But yeah, and so, so yeah. I mean, he's a great lad. but he is, But you, you just have to sometimes stand and watch him kick a football, how he kicks a football I can't even kick a football like that anymore um, and he, he's just a supreme athlete
1: Let's move on to your time beginning with Stockport County, you touched on it before, you played a few games in the reserve, Danny Begara watching you um, play at, at semi-pro level over in Sheffield Danny Begara, many see him as, as, as almost the, the modern day godfather uh, of county, there's so many stories, the different people that you speak to, the um, the tales that they have of Danny's legendary style, the way he handled uh, match day issues, his players around him. What were your first impressions of Danny? Because this is your first venture into professional football, if you like. I, I know you said it didn't work out with, with Rotherham. So you've got Stockport County, big club, coming, having a look and talking to you. And it's Danny Begara is your introduction to that. How 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 did you find all that?
2: Well, it, Interestingly enough, I met Danny previously about 10 years before... Um um when he he did some like some soccer skill stuff. And I remember meeting him then and thinking that you know, he taught and delivered on soccer skills and he was that typical South American that you know, you could do everything with a ball and I remember getting that across and it master of the art of being able to do what you want with a ball. And I spent hours and hours as a being able to do what I wanted to do with a ball. And I think it left me a few times playing at Hesley Park right. But you know <laughs> it, I, it, 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 even in his training sessions Sometimes when we come onto the pitches, we go out to the cricket, indoor cricket centre, and you'd still have the players, seasoned professionals, trying to curl a ball because he was that enthusiastic he thought he could master the art of delivering a ball it. and he wanted it done in a certain way he wanted your toe pointing up and, and I remember standing there watching the senior pros going well, what are we doing here but it was that you know it, that it was that desire to make people better at what they were doing and his enthusiasm for the game was second to none and I can hear his flip blocks now coming up the corridor but you know before the team so sat in that uh, that changing room, and when you could hear him coming up and then he would he, stand on the end and like he start telling you stories about pilots in the war, and if you know, if, if these pilots, uh, you know, if you know before they go to war, and if they shit themselves, they you're gonna die. And he, and he was trying to then that was, that was his analogy for playing football. So you've got to go out to this pitch and perform, or you're not gonna shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so he was just—it's
1: wise advice. It is wise advice.
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. Excuse the language, but well, that's what he was. He was—he was fantastic at telling stories. And he had a set method, you know. And he had, we had big kev, and we had we had people that knew what they were doing. You went from Bill Williams at the pike, he was, let's be right, super football. Yeah. Uh, and and they were the people I when I first came to the club were there, got free in it you got big Kev up front and you, it, it was a real contrast but they, they were good players but they just had a methodology that worked at that level and you've got a good footballing team and that was the basis of what he wanted to do you know back in the day it was 4-4-2 and you know we could play football if we needed to but then we had an option if we didn't but that's no different to, to any other football club you know mm-hmm. right up to Liverpool they've got a methodology and you've got people that can play a certain way and you play to strengths. and we did that and it was a joy you know um, and and the and the lads were together because there wasn't a lot, you know, the, the club didn't pay much money, and the boys it meant everything to the boys, and they were all playing for the the uh, match fee, uh, and that's how it was. It was fantastic.
1: I mean, you you will know as well as anyone uh, th- this stage of football where we are at the moment with the game. Football managers come and go so frequently, yet within your spell at County, you played with four managers who really have their own chapter within the club, all saying different things, all, you know, got things to hang their hats on, be it as players or as managers. And then to have to, to played under all four of those, Danny Begara, Dave Jones, Gary Megson uh, and Andy Kilner, you've, you've got a real kind of broad church of experience, if you like. Just when, when you look back at that time with your time at County, what have you been able to take from the club and, and take onto your obviously successful life after Within the game,
2: I think um, the, the biggest thing I can say is that if you put the right, right, you get the right bunch of players together, regardless of uh, whatever level you're at, and you can build them as a team and get them playing together and playing for each other, is that you can go and achieve whatever you want. Depending, no matter what level you're playing at, you know you still see it from time to time. You know where you get your lower division clubs going and they, they cause problems for the for the big teams. But I, I think. Back in them days, we didn't have so many an, an influx in uh, international players as what you've got uh, at the top end, uh, in like, yeah, like you've got in the Premier League these days. But we had a team that were capable of playing against anybody. Um, and we, you know, particularly in the Dave Jones, when we we started bringing in, uh, uh, you know, a, a, not better quality, just a different level of player. You know, we mm. got in Tom Ben, we got in Chris Musters. All of a sudden, you've got John Jeffs, you've got Kevin Cooper, you've got Lee, and all of a sudden, you've got some good players that all proved that they could go on and play at higher levels. Um, and, and all of a sudden, you know, every one of us—we uh, were all good friends on and off the pitch. There wasn't any rivalry, anybody that didn't get on with anybody. And yet, we were all. But, but when you looked at it, we played some great football, um, and, and that was it. And we just believed that whenever we went out on that football pitch, you know, particularly them few years under Dave Jones um it was it was just fantastic and you just didn't want to miss any of it you just wanted to go out and play because that's where you felt at home and you've got everybody everybody else on that team um would just um, you know would stick up for you or whatever you needed um it was just class um you know and you speak to all the players and i'm sure they're the same that will be probably their best times in their careers
1: one of county's most famous or certainly in recent times um, back lines consisted a very, very clear back four uh, of yourself with, with Mike Flynn, Jim Gannon uh, and Lee Todd. You're playing alongside Captain Fantastic, Mike Flynn, who obviously um, s- uh, has been around the club a lot in recent years, being Jim Gannon's assistant. He still comes to a lot of the games. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be in the, in the position uh, of having a chat with him on a numerous on numerous occasions about various different things. And one, one thing he's always kind of put across to me was, like you say, there it was very much about mindset. Particularly with him, he said, "Look, I, I was not the most skillful player. I wasn't gifted in in that sense. But he said I had the heart of a lion. I, you know, nobody was getting past me. If a ball's coming in the air, I'm having it. If anyone's running at me, if I don't think someone's performing uh, in in my team, then I'm speaking to them." Was was that the kind of feel that you got from Flinnie playing? You know, you're the guy playing alongside him. What what was that like?
2: No, 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 exactly. And he was—he was—he was, he was, he was captain for the club, not because he was, um, like you said, technically the best footballer. Uh, but he just led by example. He knew he was going to be there every week, uh, and he put his—he wore his um, heart on his sleeve, and that was it. And you know, he wasn't particularly great at talking on the pitch, um, but he just—he just knew that he was going to give up. 100% every game and he was there um, and you just knew where his limitations were and he was, the, he was the first to admit what his limitations were and he never tried to do anything different and that was it you know he was good at heading which he was fantastic at and he was good at uh, man marking and he was good at defending and that and that was my thing and that's why he was his captain and that's why he was a legend you know um, and that was the right mix at that time in, in, a, in a great footballing team and then we you know he knew what his limitations were he get it, he win it, and he pass it on to somebody else. That his job mm-hmm. is done, uh, and I think that's the sign of a good player. When you know what your limitations are, you know what your weakness and what your strengths are, uh, and that was why it was
1: such a successful team. Well, that that team, that almost the pinnacle of that team, if you like, was uh, a famous night in Chesterfield uh, that you know accumulating county. Being promoted, uh, part of the I guess the, the best part about this job from my side is when I'm preparing these interviews, when I'm preparing to get ready to do these kind of shows, I get to watch all these clips back just to refresh my memory and see all these, uh, you know. And be, I was I was just a kid in those days. What you know, being in in the stands, being in the terraces, I have one moment in particular that I'll bring up a little bit later on for yourself. But watching that 96, 97 season back, watching the scenes at Chesterfield, what do you remember from from that very night when? When County got the victory, sealed promotion, it was job done with a game to go. What did you think about that? What, what sticks in your mind from that night?
2: You know, what sticks in my mind the most is that I didn't come back to Stockport with a team. I lived in Sheffield and I went home. And that was the worst, it's the biggest, one of the biggest regrets I've got in my career. Really? Is that I should have gone back to the finger post or I should have gone back <laughs> to, And I wish that, and that is one of the, you know, I remember yeah. me and Chris, Chris Marsden went somewhere and had a quiet pint. And that was it. And I didn't. And I, and I didn't really wow. celebrate it as as much as probably what I should have done. Um, and, and, and I've regretted it to this day. Um, yeah, weird, isn't it? But, yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the night was a. Um, I don't. Think, I, from what I can remember, I don't think we played particularly well. I think we started the game off well.
1: It was a heavy pitch. It was a heavy pitch. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was. You know, the old Chesterfield
2: ground wasn't the best, was it? Um, but again, we we did what we had to do. People kept writing us off. We had, a, I'm sure we were in a bit of congestion um, leading up into them a few weeks and we were just playing games and we were just churning out uh, results. Um, you know, we, we, I think we had, uh, obviously, John, Paul Jones in there and I remember Jones pulling off, um, did he pull off a, an amazing... Yeah,
1: he had a, uh, there's a couple on there, wasn't there?
2: Yeah, and I just remember that it was... You know, if you look back, it was it was just meant to be because we just kept churning results out, we kept churning performances out, um, because you had good players and and the team stuck together, you know, um, you know and that was it. It was just that it was that easy. You just knew you walked onto a football pitch and you went, we're gonna win today. And it was that it was that good. We went on that run after them first few games. I remember it now. Start started quite a, a bit. I like we started off a bit uh,
1: touchy, ropey. Yeah, <laughs> it's basic, we can say it now. It's fine.
2: Yeah, it was. And then all of a sudden, then we went on that run, and, and it was just like I can see it now. Some of the football we played, and we proper 10 teams up. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a surprise to anybody because we kept doing it week in, week out. It was just a pleasure to play, and it was just, it was just easy, you know. No, Dave was very, Dave was very good at finding players and just giving you the license to go on uh, and play and express yourself. Um, and then, so the onus was on you. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, we did some tactical work, but but not much. It was just about he believed in us more uh, than, than the opposition, and it was a belief in us and go out and play, go out and
1: express yourselves. Can you remember what he said to the team at time? Because that must have been a big team talk. Even if it was a big team talk where not a lot is actually said, that's the team talk that says, look, lads, we're 45 minutes away from doing this. You
2: know, what, Dave. I can't remember much, but Saint was the Saint was the one. His his assistant manager, Saint.
1: Yeah, John
2: saint yeah. yeah, John Saints did more of the tactical stuff. Dave was more of a motivator. Um, don't get me wrong; he understood the game, but they were just they were two different people. Right. Um, and and it was anything from a tactical point of view, it would it's invariably come from Saint, um, and Dave was just you know. Telling us what we've got to concentrate on doing, really, and we knew what we've got to do. Um, and again, it's in them kind of, it's in, at that moment, you know, um, you've just got to trust in each other. Yeah. Um, and, and that was it. We did it, and we were very good at doing it. And i you know, you looked around that team, and we've got bags of experience at that level. We've got some players that have played at higher levels, and we've got some players that hadn't, but as a collective, as a team. Um, we were the best team in that division. I know we didn't win the league, but we were. We were the best. I
1: thought we were the best footballing team. I'll, I'll second that. I think there's. I think there's going to be a couple of thousand people listening who also agree with that. Well, if if that if that was the pinnacle uh, of that team, what was the pinnacle of Sean Connolly's county career? I mean, again, part of my research for this, if that's what you want to call it, was looking back and seeing some of the games. We had a quick chat off there about the goal at Middlesbrough and. Then, you know, there's there's playing uh, the likes of Goodison Park. There's the 96, 97 season where you've gone on and played all these um, Premier League teams and, and beaten them and slayed them and knocked them out. There's, what game? If you know, if if when it's all said and done and in years to come, you're sitting around the fire with the grandkids and they say, tell us that story again, Grandad. Which is the one from Stockport County that you say, let me tell you about this time?
2: Um, I think those two or three years really. I mean, without picking out. One particular game, I think the season after when we went up, um, I got um, I think I got player of the year, quite a few player of the year awards in the that 97, 98 year. Um, I remember going up to that championship level. It was a different level. Going to you know, proper grounds and playing big, well recognised teams, and even get again at that level. Um, we went on to prove that some of us, you know, we, we could handle that next level. Um, and it, it, that, that, was, that was a really pleasing year from a personal point of view. I mean, obviously, that because of the game, I'll always stick in people's minds because it just came from nowhere. I think it was my 250th appearance. Um, I've not got close to scoring, I don't think. Um, and for some reason, I still can't. And I can still it. i think. thinking, where, where are you going? What are you doing? <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like saying to myself, What's, where are you doing? What are you doing? is he going?
1: Is the manager giving you the hairdryer treatment if that doesn't go in?
2: I really think the same as what I say every time. i what are you doing, son? What, why are you going? What, what's giving you the license to move forward then? As a fullback, you'd be something from the side if you give him an option, not to come running past him. That's
1: that's not straight from the training ground, then, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I don't, I, I don't know to this day what I, what I was thinking.
1: Well, it would it would be fair to say you didn't score a lot of goals, but the goals that you did score, they were fairly memorable.
2: Um. Yeah that one And then I think The other one was um, The one that um, I've even showed the kids Actually which is on YouTube Which is about the only one That is on YouTube Is when I scored against, I think it was against Swindon When I hit it with my left foot I, yeah. I, I, I picked the ball up In my in our own half And then just Basically swung me up Left Duke um, I'd like to say A pick point That you know I uh, picked the top uh, bin lid <laughs> and uh, put it in there but I didn't I just swung it and that was it um, but I do remember I, I, to be fair I remember scoring a diving header
1: against Tram against that was my favourite Sean Connolly goal that I was sitting in the teedle and watching that and I could not believe what I had just seen and you know what I've never seen it since it's on YouTube it's, I'm going to send you the link After this call I will send you the link
2: Oh mate Well there we go <laughs> then. I, never, I never even knew Get the kids that.
1: around Get the kids around Bring everyone in. <laughs> <around. laughs>
2: they don't know they don't, Dad never played football <laughs> um, So I'll show them that one Yeah so that was That was quite good Because I think we were Down at 10 then And uh, I think that was One of Andy Killner's First uh, games I think um, But um, It was an interesting one Yeah because I scored A couple of them I that with the head. Um, that, again, that was uh, unusual for me. I think it was a highly scoring But um, now nah, they I mean, Listen, the, the, that time just in general was good. Um, I think. Um, I, I don't. You know. Yeah. The the the, the Middlesbrough one was always memorable because of what it's done for personally And our first ever goal and, and the, the the occasion itself, which was brilliant. Stockport County that we actually went up there and won them, and we actually gave a big shock. Yeah. They all, I think that was the surprising thing seeing the county uh, faithful there at the back um, and it was just a good night you know you were listen we were playing proper proper players I mean I remember looking at Giannino thinking wow what, where is this kid from
1: I, uh, I was fortunate enough to interview Giannino a few years ago and uh uh, I was speaking to him off there, and I said, I work with Stockport County, do you remember them? And the look that just fell on his face before he tried to go, oh, I think I think I remember play. Yeah, you remember playing them and we both know that you remember playing them, but <laughs> we won't go there. Um, I, I, I feel I have to bring up what, what we mentioned off air a moment ago.
2: But it's, it's interesting that as a kid growing up, I always played up front. I always played up front and as, a, right. as a winger. Never, ever played back in defence. And it wasn't until I was like eighteen, nineteen, and went and played on league that I went, I went, I moved back. Right. Um, but, um, but there you go. But did not prove that to be uh, that prolific? Did I really? <laughs>
1: uh, I think, I think, I think you did enough it, uh, enough uh, in other areas. So we move on. Um, so Dave Jones comes, Gary Mason comes, uh, Andy Cunningham. You then leave County to go with Dave Jones, if I'm not mistaken, to Wolves, and then join him again at Cardiff. Your career goes on. You retired. In 2005, Rusted and Diamonds, as a player who obviously knew the game, being as a physio and as a player, but also football players, you, you obviously you, you will know better than I, but they have this feeling inside them. And when, when the end is coming, you have to kind of accept it. How was it for you to say, I've had a good career, I've got the physio that you know I, I want to progress in now, I'm going to hang them up? Was that an easy decision for you to make?
2: Um, it was a really easy decision, only because I had a year at Rushton Diamonds, which was different. I'd not particularly enjoyed the football down at that lower level, although Rushton Diamonds as, as a club themselves were fantastic. Hmm. They got an unbelievable little stadium set up um, down there near in Northampton, and, and it, it was all right. But again, um, it was a level of football that was just uh, poor at best. Um, and then it got to that stage where everybody knows that the career is coming, to, not towards an end, but you get into your mid-30s and you're sort of like thinking, well, it's going to happen. If it's not happening this year, it's going to happen next year. And when I get offered a job like go and be the number one physio at City, it, was, it was simple because that was going to be as it is now. is That's going to be my career for the next 25 years. So what I didn't want to do was finish a career and not have a job to go to. Um, and it was just a natural progression. So I didn't even think twice about it. It was just right. Love. We we were living in Stafford at the time when I'd moved down to uh, Wolves, and it was like right, we're moving to Cardiff, and and it was literally came that that easy. And I had offers to stay in the game, and it was just um, it was a no-brainer really.
1: Did it, did it help that it was Dave Jones there, and you you knew him, and you had not just history with him, but you had successful history with him.
2: Yeah, exactly, and and that's always the case. Is that, you know, listen, Dave. Um, for me, Dave was the best manager. at um, Stop hope, without a shadow of a doubt. Right. I enjoyed the football under Dave the most. Um, you know, um, everybody who knows me, I'll, I'll tell them the same. You know, I fell out with Gary Megson, and then he changed. I just thought that that era was for me, uh, for those years I was at the club. You know, don't get me wrong, Danny McGuire was was different class to me, but I, the, the Dave Jones era and what he achieved, and the, the players and the The style of it was 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 the pinnacle for me, Um, and and then so joining up with him it was an easy decision. You know I knew I did it worked. I knew what he wanted. You know and I knew that he would deliver success to Cardiff City, and that wasn't a problem. And he and he did. The only thing for me that didn't do was take them up to that next level. You know we got close. We had good cup runs. We had good players. Fantastic, you know, and, and it was a real good time. And people will tell you down here in Cardiff, uh, where I still live, is that you know that they were the best footballing years. And he again proved it that he could deliver good football. Yeah, no, and, and it was a joy to be involved in on the other side of it because I was watching Dave work um, from the opposite side and being part of his staff and what he thought and how he, and, and how and what he did in the game and, and how he wanted to what he wanted to achieve by bringing in certain players. And he brought in players like. Steve Pete <laughs> Peter Whittingham, who sadly passed him yeah. a, couple, a couple of weeks ago. You know, these were tremendous footballers, and he put people in a team, and he, he liked giving people second chances, and he brought them from nowhere. He brought you Jay Bothroyd, he brought you Michael Chopra, that other people that said, nah, said am not having, them. and he put them in a team, and he got them playing together, and it was very similar to me to what he'd done at Stockport, and he got success. You know, you know, the, the ten years for Cardiff City got you can speak to them now and tell you that they were the best years.
1: It's, it's really interesting that you referred to Dave Jones as, as the best manager that, that you played under at County. Jim Gannon, obviously a long-term teammate of yours. Do you see, obviously Jim's had great success with the club um, in his management stints uh, with County. Do you see elements, would it be fair to say that he's obviously learned part of his trade at least from his, you know, his time playing under each manager? I get the impression you would learn something from all of them. Do you see little... Maybe little patterns or, or little tips he may have picked up along the way from from Dave, Danny, Gary, and the rest of them.
2: Yeah, I certainly see the ones of Gary Megson in him when he's standing on that touchline screaming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that or, that reminds me of Gary Megson because uh, playing fullback in front of Gary Megson, and like, I think that's why I'm a bit um, is listening uh, listening listen to Gary Megson for all like, for them two years didn't he, Eddie? Um, but he, he, listen, I think any professional that's been in the game that long, you pick up the good and bad from every manager that you play Um And I think Jim, as a as a young manager, um, as he's developed as a manager, he'll tell you the same that he's he's picked up. I like that from Danny. I like that from Dave. Maybe I even like some from from Gary Megson. He's, you know, Gary. As it's faults for me as a per, from a personality point of view, but as he was organised, he knew what he wanted. Yeah. He played a set of style. I think every county fan would understand that. He, he changed football the way that we played in the day. Then suddenly changed under under Gary Megson. But you know, he was relatively successful and took county to the highest finish in that in the championship yeah. that year. So that was credit to him. Um, but he did it his way. He certainly and, and you, any of, any of the players at the time will tell you is that Gary Mixon uh, wanted to change how Dave Jones' team played. And he got rid of some of the key players and
1: whatever.
2: Mm. Um, And he wanted to put his stamp on it, which managers do. And I'm sure, you know, Jim's the same. And most managers are the same.
1: Does does it surprise you that that Jim, did it surprise you when you heard Jim was going into management? I mean, I guess it's easy to say now when you're looking back. But if if someone had told Sean Connolly, the teammate, the, the right back, the football player, Jim eventually will go on to be a successful manager, wouldn't he? Um,
2: it surprised me a little because Jim was, um, I'm sure Jim will have admitted to himself, he was sometimes he, Jim, Jim's um, oh, different to, uh, you know, he's something, he's, he's quite, he's, he's very intelligent, he's a thinker um, and he'll sometimes be on the outside looking in. Um, and, and so it's of no surprise um, that he's gone on to, into management. Um, I don't know what his style is because I've never played, played under him. But again, yeah. it's, it's, he, like you said, he's been successful. But again, he's been tied. You know, There's been certain uh, financial restraints at the club, etc. Et but from what I can gather at the moment, the, the club's in a healthy state. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see now if he's got the backing, what kind of resources he's got, how far he can take the club. But, but again, that, that, that's difficult for any manager at that level. Yeah, uh, but again, it's about putting that sucks. You're again the right set of players, um, and, and and things falling right for you.
1: Well, listen, Sean, it's it's been terrific having you on the show today. We've actually ran over quite significantly what I offer. You know, what, what I, I said I, I promise I won't keep you for longer than twenty minutes. We've done almost double that. Uh, I do just want to keep you for another twenty seconds, if I may. Uh, I have this idea of doing uh, a quick quiz. Uh, if you would now, I don't want to put you on the spot and ask you things that you you may may or may not know. So it's more general within county. Um, it's only twenty seconds, um, so I'm going to fly through these as quickly as I can. Um, if your game, we'll we'll get a bit of a leaderboard up. We'll put you up against the other legends, and by the by the time this lockdown is over, hopefully we'll have a, a nice little league table going. Fire away. okay. Pass, can I- <laughs> you can say pass if you if you like to, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, twenty seconds and it starts. Now, from any era, name a county player whose first name begins with A.
2: All uh, Church.
1: How many letters in Stockport County? Fifteen? Oh. Uh, Sean, correct. Sean, can I just ask you very quickly, what was your shirt number at county? Two. Well, that's how many questions we got through in the 20 seconds. <laughs> i'm gonna I'm gonna give you the first one because I said name a county player from any era whose first name begins with a, and I heard you go I heard you go, oh surname, but I'm gonna give you an area because you got there, so that's that's fair enough um but yeah no you never know two could be a healthy score and you might you might top the table with two
2: i don't think many people are gonna get many questions in 20 in 20 seconds
1: well for, for what it's worth i did a test run with richard landon
2: um he's not the quickest <laughs> <is> he?
1: <laughs> well he got f- he got four answers but he got three wrong so <laughs> <laughs> he won't thank me for saying that but it would be fine um I think he just kind of said the first thing that came to his mind. But listen, Sean, it's been an absolute honour. And you come down to Stockport County quite a lot, don't you? I mean, when, when lockdown isn't happening.
2: Uh, to be fair, I've been there more in the last uh, three years since I've been full-time in the FAW, just because when I'm involved in club football, it's impossible to get to any other games apart from the games that I'm involved in. So, uh, yeah, these last couple of years, I've been down a few times. Um, Simon always gives me a ring if you need somebody to pop down. And uh, it's been a pleasure to,
1: uh, to come down when I've been down. Yeah, well, obviously, we'll make a point of coming over and saying hello uh, next time you're down. Hopefully, um, it'll be this year at some point if, if this quarantine passes. But, uh, Sean, it's been a delight and uh, I really appreciate your time.
0: Not a problem at all. Cheers. So, as promised, fantastic interview with Sean Connolly there all over the football world, starting at Stockport and uh, wherever Wales have, have taken him. He's been on that journey. Yeah. Um, did he say anything about um, uh, kind of off air about what the the future lies? Where he's, you know, is he is he just happy to kind of stay at Wales at the moment? Well, I mean, he, yeah, we, we didn't go into the conversation
1: really of, of, of his future back in club football or whatever. I think he's a, he's extremely grateful, isn't he, of, of being where he is? You know, the fact that he refers to his his job being made easy because he's he's working with experts, professionals within the sport of football, you know, the, these are the, the very, very elite, you know, working with Real Madrid's club doctors, Juventus' club doctors, um, you know, international Premier League, like, he's at the pinnacle of his game. It, listen, I'm sure he's going to stay at Wales for as long as he needs to. If for whatever reason he steps out of that role in the future, he's not going to be short of, of offers, is he? You know, let's be honest, he's been physio at, at Cardiff, uh, uh, you know, another Premier League club that he's had a, a massive experience with. Uh and he's a thoroughly, he's a thoroughly well-educated, but a thoroughly nice guy who knows football. He's been a player, he's been a physio, he's been at the very, very top level. Um, so, I mean, t- for for us to have the opportunity that we've just had, a uh, you know, I'm personally seeing that as a, as a little bit of a victory. But for him, on a, on a note, you know, he's not going to struggle for work. I think he's. The future's good for him whichever way he decides to take it. The most alarming thing is that he says his daughter keeps beating him at golf and I think if you're an ex professional footballer you can't be letting that happen.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um are you any good at golf? I'm terrible. I'm rubbish at golf.
1: I'm I'm awful. My um my, my my Mrs Dad is a big golfer and we went to a we went to a golf course in Portugal last year and um I genuinely nearly killed him. By hitting a golf ball that just skimmed past his ears because I just can't play golf I, I thought how hard can it be man hits ball um and yeah, uh, yeah no golf is not I'm going stick to um I'm going stick to watching sport rather than taking part I think
0: so coming up next on the county live bonus isolation series is another top three in in the last one you uh, you decided the top Kevin Francis was Kevin Francis.
1: Yes, I mean, he was always going to be, wasn't he? Kevin Francis was um, the, the pinnacle Stockport County striker. Uh, the fact that uh, Flynney, um refers to him so much in his interview tonight that, I've, that you'll hear next week is, um, is testament to that. It's, uh, you know, Kevin Francis is something else. But uh, the next topic that we have with Sam Byrne isn't so clear. Cut, we're talking about big off-the-field moments, an iconic off-the-field off the field moments uh and there's quite a few there's quite a few in there that you would say what moment off the field was Stockport County I'm looking forward to hearing that one
0: does it include the moment when you got your when you first got your imagine 104.9 FM coat and I didn't get one but you had a pie at halftime and you slipped the pie down your brand new coat does it include that (laughs) (laughs) um
1: it doesn't include that it should do i mean maybe it will maybe it will i don't i've not thought about that it does include it does include the the moment that john kieran and i posed in our new imagine fm coats to look like um e17
0: (laughs) yeah well that you know that was a much more iconic moment for not just for you not just for me but for the whole world of pop
1: yes i mean it put Stockport county on the map culturally
0: Uh, You can hear that episode on Tuesday night. So so we're running the top threes on Tuesday and the Legends on Thursday. That's how we're going. Chris, speak to you next time. Thanks.
1: See you next time, mate. Stay safe and all the rest of it.
0: Yeah, stay in, stay safe.